0: And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man?
1: Man, I'm doing great, DJ. Uh, it's uh, It's an interesting time, but it's really a good time. It's a good time to kind of dig into football and think about the projects, some of the projects that we've talked about that we're now able to kind of bring to the listeners. So I'm excited to talk about some of the team building stuff that we're working on.
0: Yeah, we've got a, a big show coming up, a big TV show on Thursday night. That's 6 p.m. Eastern, and it's going to be heavily featuring Lincoln Riley, uh, head coach at Oklahoma, who's going to give us some great stuff. Uh, we've already had this conversation, so we're going to be able to share that with you, talking about Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, uh, what to expect from those guys in this upcoming season. Really good conversation with him, um, and we're also going to that, play that in full on our next audio episode as well, so I think people will dig on that one.
1: Yeah, you know, I think, it, I think it'd be fun. Um, Lincoln Riley's one of the offensive innovators. There's been a lot of conversation about him making his way to the NFL. And when you've been able to produce quarterbacks that have gone at the top of the board in two of the last three years and another one that goes in the second round, you certainly have the uh, recipe. You're the quarterback whisperer. So it'd be great to talk to him about all those things that he looks for when it comes to a special quarterback.
0: Yeah, one other thing, too, is we're going to uh... – kind of have a, a, a real interesting discussion on speed. We've got our, our, our research guys, Jack and Bill, have done a, a wonderful job of looking this up. And what we've done is we've gone through and assumed an 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three receivers. Um, if we just looked at that personnel group, we wanted to know who will be the fastest teams in the league this upcoming season. Now, most of these guys, we have combine 40s or we have uh, pro day 40s. Uh, There's a few that weren't able to run, so you got to rely on some estimates. I think like Hollywood Brown and and, uh, Corey Davis, some of those players. But we have a pretty good idea of of an estimate on those players. Um, But And again, there's a difference between time speed uh, and play speed, which is a whole other conversation. But it is fascinating to kind of look at who, on paper at least, in that personnel group, are the fastest teams and who are the slowest teams.
1: Yeah, I I think... Uh, when you look at teams like the Kansas City Chiefs that go to a Super Bowl and they win because they're so much faster than other teams, Uh, their offense is explosive and dynamic because they basically have a track team on the outside. You're going to have a lot of teams that try and copy that formula. And so we'll see some of those teams, but we also are seeing some of these more methodical plotting teams that rely a little more on system as opposed to player when it comes to creating big plays.
0: Yeah, so that's going to be a fun discussion on the television show. Again, you can check that out Thursday evening. Um, On today's show, Buck, a couple interesting conversations I wanted to have with you. Uh, One is around baseball draft, which is taking place this week, which is going to be a unique and different baseball draft. On the heels of what we had in the NFL, which was a different draft uh, set up last year, baseball is going to have their own unique challenges this week. And then I want to kind of get into some of the – maybe a rule change – Uh, with this new CBA that people aren't talking about. But we were talking about this on the phone the other day, and I think it's a fascinating conversation. I think you don't want to stick around for that one because uh, there could be a hidden advantage in team building.
1: Yeah, definitely a hidden advantage. But the conversation that we had about baseball, we should just jump right into because I am fascinated about what is going on in baseball, how they're going to handle handle this. I guess abbreviated or shortened draft, where they're only having five rounds as opposed to the endless draft that we've seen in the past. I think teams have to be very, very strategic with how uh, they allocate their resources when it comes to bringing in young talent.
0: Yeah. And you think about it, a, a bunch of these high schools, uh, specifically on the East coast, they didn't even play a game this year. So you have nothing to go off of there. You're flying blind. you college barely got going. There wasn't a lot to go off of there. You didn't get all these opportunities to work these guys out. Um, so it's fascinating. You only got five rounds, and then after that, every player is available in the pool, but you can only pay them a maximum of $20,000. So, in other words, if you're a high school senior and you're a sixth-round pick in a normal year, you can get several hundred thousand dollars in a signing bonus, and and, uh, and they can entice you to not go to Vanderbilt or wherever you're signed to go play and then go play professional baseball. Well, now they can only offer you 20000 bucks. So the conventional wisdom is that most of these kids, if you're not drafted in the first, you know, if you're not drafted, you're outside the top five rounds. Instead of taking the $20,000 uh, measly amount of money, you're going to go to college. Or if you're a junior in college, instead of coming out, you're going to end up going back to your school and, and playing your senior year and re-entering the draft next year, hoping you could get more signing bonus money. But there's another layer to this thing, Bucky.
1: Yeah, no, there there is a, another layer to it because... Uh, when you think about the money and the money that is available outside the fifth round, uh, you have to make a decision as a player. Do I want to go to college or go back to college, play another season and then see if I can improve my stock when I have a entire new class of talent coming out, or do I want to kind of chance it and go into the draft, not going to draft, but go ahead and sign with the team and kind mm-hmm. of get my career started. Um, I think it requires players and agents to kind of weigh that long-term versus short-term dilemma when it comes to picking a franchise if I am an undrafted free agent.
0: What it reminded me of football-wise, and there's a lot of parallels here, but um, think about we've had players. It was talked about, quite honestly. It was hinted at, and nothing ever came of it, with Joe Burrow last year, right? Like Joe Burrow, even though being the number one overall pick to Cincinnati would have brought him more money, uh, there was a thought out there that man, he he might prefer to go a little bit later in the draft, sacrifice some money, but go to a more stable, steady organization that's had more success, and then think big picture second contract versus that first contract. So we've had those types of discussions in the football world as well. And so I was talking with the general manager of a of a club that's that's won World Series and has has been one of the best clubs in baseball for a while now. And I asked him. I said, "Do you try and recruit some of these kids like we would recruit undrafted free agents? Um, and maybe you know, when we were with the Ravens, we would only offer guys five hundred to a thousand bucks to sign. Other teams might be offering twenty five thousand bucks to sign, but we would sell our organization, how we develop players, and the opportunity to make our club. Hey, think big picture. Don't don't step over you know a million dollars to pick up twenty five thousand dollars like." We can help you. You're going to make our team. We're going to know how to develop you. You're going to play well. You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to have a long career versus just taking a quick payday. You can get a cut in, in a couple months. Um, so they are recruiting players like we did. And the fascinating thing about baseball is because of Zoom, um, you know, it was an article, it's a great article uh, in The Athletic about this a, a, a while back. And it talks about how the Cubs were taking uh, Zoom meetings with players. They would have like their hitting coach, their, you know, their minor league coordinator, their major league manager, their general manager, all these people on a Zoom call with a player. So they're not only interviewing him, uh, but then they put his video on the screen and they would real time break down his swing. Like here's how we can help you. You need to do this, this, there's this drill, and then put together a whole plan for a developmental plan for him of how they have their resources with all the technology and different things and kind of lay out a roadmap for him. So it's an elaborate recruiting pitch versus what what we used to do when we were calling these guys on the phone, just trying to sell our organization.
1: So it's funny that you mentioned that, like, because what you're talking about is part of a big developmental plan. And when you have this kind of plan, everyone has to be on board, meaning the general manager, all of the front office, the managers, the coaches, they all have to kind of be on board for years. The Seattle Seahawks had that, um, Now, when I look at the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons are known for being able to do it. So in talking to some of the people with the Falcons, uh, what the Falcons send out, they send out a brochure every year. The the Seahawks used to do this, but the Falcons have done it. And what they do is on their brochure, they kind of tout their Falcons University. So Falcons University is them basically talking about all the things that we do to help undrafted free agents make our squad. And so that university includes not only drafting, but bringing you in, but putting you in what they call their plan D program. Plan D stands for plan development. That development program is because I took notes on it. The development program is all encompassing. It is on the field and off the field. So what this uh, Falcons have done is 10 minutes after every practice, their coaches work with the young players And that extra instruction is to provide them opportunities to work on individual drills and the like. They also have some player led things where veterans will work within their position groups to help their young guys get up to speed on techniques, scheme and other things that will help them be better players. The coaches know that this extra time is going to help our guys develop not only in training camp, but later in the year so they can have guys play. And then finally is the leadership piece where their player programs, uh, player engagement department works with their young guys to teach them the leadership skills. So as these guys grow within the team, they eventually become the core players and they're able to lead in that thing. But what you're seeing like the Cubs and other teams, they're talking about taking a full comprehensive plan to maximize the talent of the players they bring in.
0: Yeah. Think about having your nutritionist on there and saying, you know let's go through your diet and then if you go through your diet then you have them up on a follow-up meeting and you lay out and you can share your screen right and say hey look this is your menus Uh, this is what we provide you we're gonna be able to provide you with this food this this uh, nutrition to help you gain or lose the weight that you need to to be properly uh, fit and ready to go you strength coach could be on there with the stretching program that's specific to you tailored to you it's like they kind of present this whole program and it's all just lined up just for you and your development so if you're that player, you've got to sit there and think. I go back into the draft, I might get a little bit more money up front, but am I going to go to a team that has all the resources that this team has that is, that is pitching me at this point in time? Um, and the, uh, the conversation I guarantee they've had that we've had, which is we spent all this time selling this player, and, and what does that player say almost 100% of the time? Well, if you like me so much, you've got five picks. Why don't you, why don't you pick me with one of those picks?
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's a tough sell, but then what you do as the guy that is on the phone, you're like, look, man, it comes down between you and another player. It just kind of depends. We're a little weak at, at this uh, situation, so maybe we're going to draft this player, but we really, really want you, and we believe that you will develop, and there's some benefits to you being an undrafted free agent because you'll get to the market first when it comes to the money and those things. Like That's how it work in football, and so there's a way to sell it, but DJ, and talking about this comprehensive plan, particularly when it comes to undrafted, from a football standpoint, I think if you're going to be one of these teams that operates like that, I think the general manager has to scout the coaches, meaning you have to know that your coaching staff, one, is on board with playing young guys, two, they have to be teachers, meaning not only uh, blackboard teachers, they have to be able to teach guys have to, how to play on the field and have a track record of developing players that is tangible. We have seen a number of guys develop at this position. So we know that position coach understands how to develop young guys to get them ready to play. And then from a player standpoint, when it comes to undrafted free agents, redeeming qualities, height, yep. speed, uh, do they have a skill that spits that specifically fits the scheme that we play? Um, are they guys that we see very clearly that they could be practice squad candidates that not only are on the practice squad, but they're there for a little while before they're ready to jump up to the roster. All of those things have to work when you have this developmental plan.
0: Yeah, I think, again, it's just, you know, having that plan and being able to pitch it to people. And I think about like, I think that as um, they've learned kind of from the NFL how to do some of these Zoom meetings, and how productive that can be with players. And I know college coaches have been using Zoom meetings and doing virtual tours of campuses and things like that with players. Um, So this new technology, is it's worked in in the NFL. We've seen it in college football and baseball. I think you're going to now see um, college football, then where baseball kind of advanced this forward, I think you're going to see college football uh, adopt some of those things where you could be having those kind of, uh, you know, having those sessions with with players and then putting that whole plan together with them to come on your college campus, the same exact pitch, uh, but just for a high school kid coming to a college program.
1: I think some of the best colleges are already on it. Um, mm-hmm. Alabama has done this for years. Where they have a clear developmental plan, not only physically, but mentally. They get you on campus, they get you ready, they talk about how they're going to practice and develop you. And we've heard Nick Saban say that if I'm doing my job and you're doing your job, when you come on campus in three and a half years, you're going to the National Football League. We have seen out West, Oregon, Mario Cristobal has talked about the developmental plan that they put in place for their players, uh, not only physically but mentally, the high performance, um, getting the sports psychologists involved to make sure that they are fully developing the entire athlete uh, as a result. We have seen Oregon skyrocket to the top of the Pac-12. We saw them win the championship last year. We saw the gains that they've made in trying to take on some SEC teams. We've seen teams that have a very clear developmental plan have success.
0: Yeah, it is really interesting stuff, man. Um, the the other thing I want to transition to talking about here, Buck, is um, you know what we were talking about the other day about a rule change that's that's taking place in the NFL that I don't know if, if many people are as familiar with with what's going on here. Um, and, and let let's get into it here because the practice squad has been expanded. Um, it used to be ten, now it's up to twelve, which is it, which is great in and of itself. But there's one rule on there. That's different. That's majorly different. In that, you used to have restrictions in terms of uh, service time, and once you reach a certain amount of service time, you're no longer eligible to be on the practice squad. Well, now of those 12 spots, two of those spots can be occupied by veteran players. Um, so they can, you know, there's no such thing as he's been, he's uh, accrued too many seasons, he's ineligible. You could technically keep a veteran player on the practice squad. And, you know most people you view the practice squad you're developing young players And then you also have insurance for your roster if you need to pull guys up uh, due to injuries But there's a different strategy you could use now with this new rule And let's think about all the young quarterbacks that are in the National Football League all these first second third year quarterbacks And you want to have somebody behind them that's ready to play in case they get injured, right? And we've talked about how, how much have we talked about in the offseason like Aaron Rodgers, you know Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to you know, mentor or spend time trying to, to, to grow Jordan Love. He's got to worry about getting ready to play games. And then most teams roster two quarterbacks. So you don't really have that, that extra quarterback to take up a roster spot to mentor that young guy. Well, now you can take a veteran quarterback – who maybe is 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 going to be on his way out of the league? Um, he's not going to start anywhere, you know. Maybe a, you know a third quarterback for somebody, but it's hard for some of those guys. Eventually, you kind of max out and you're out of the league. And let let me let us put a name on it just so we can kind of give some context to people. Like Matt Barkley is kind of a good name, right? Been in the league for a handful of years. Probably you know could be in trouble making the Bills roster this year, but he's very smart. He's a good resource for your starting quarterback in Josh Allen. Well now he's eligible for the practice squad so now you can stash a guy like that on your practice squad and you know for as long as you want it could be several years and basically function as an additional quarterback coach uh, for your quarterback and because of that because he's technically listed as a player and not a coach you don't have to succumb to all the limits in terms of the time they can spend together. So you could basically be grinding film with him. He's basically an extension of the coaching staff. He is a coach. Um, You don't really have any intention of him playing for your football team, but what it does is it gives you an opportunity to not only work with a guy like Josh Allen, but you bring in a young quarterback, he can work with him as well. Um, You basically have an opportunity to have two extra coaches on your roster.
1: Yeah, I think this is brilliant. I think it's brilliant if it's done correctly, meaning that what you do is you get the offensive coordinator to find a veteran That is kind of like his pet. I think
0: that knows his offense inside and out.
1: Knows his offense inside and out. For years, we saw Scott Linehan have Kellen Moore with him because he really knew the offense. Whether or not he could play or not, he knew the offense. He could take it. He could teach it on the board. He could help a young guy understand the ins and outs of that offense. Uh, We've seen a guy who's a backup now in Atlanta, but Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub has always understood various levels of offense. He's a sounding board. He's a resource may not be able to play, but he can teach and help a young guy. I think as you're bringing this up, we haven't seen many teams that have kind of stockpiled their quarterback room with veterans that could do it. But if one team sees another team have success with this veteran player that is operating, as I'm going to call them, as a player coach, mm-hmm. so many benefits. And to take it back to the Plan D program that we talked about, I'm going to tell you, last year in New Orleans, Teddy Bridgewater worked with the young guys after practice. I've been told that he would get the script, he would work with the young guys that were playing on the scout team, take them through the offense, not only to help himself get ready, but to help develop them. So now imagine in that situation where you had Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's savvy leadership ability can help the rest of the players develop. And if they had a young quarterback in the room, he could help the young quarterback by providing some mentorship. It is something that deserves to be uh, investigated, looked at, and someone who is on the cutting edge of team building we we'll utilize it to their advantage.
0: Yeah, think about all these. Remember, they used to have that thing. I remember it started kind of with uh, Mark Sanchez, ironically, was one of the first guys. They called it Jets West. Remember, they would all get together and all throw together, the Jets receivers and quarterbacks out in California. Um, and then now we see it all the time. You know, Tom Brady had, takes his guys up to Montana. Yeah, yeah, all these different things taking place. Well, one thing you couldn't have there is a coach. Well, now, technically, you can. Because you have a player on your practice squad that really has no intention of seeing the field. He's just instead of instead of being like a great example, Byron Lefwich, you know, he comes yes. off the field. i he did that. Yes. Yes, exactly. So he's a coordinator now, but he could have instead of even, you know, uh, going on the coaching track, you could have just put him on your practice squad and said, Byron, look, this is going to be your first foray into coaching. I know you're technically on the practice squad, but you are a coach. And so when uh, we want you to fly out to, uh, you know, to Los Angeles, where we have all our receivers out there and we've got two new rookies and we've got a, a tight end that we just signed as a free agent. We can't technically get them in our building right now, but you're going to go out there. You're going to do in, install for the first week of practice, basically out on the road and, and coach up this offense and coach up these young guys, even though you're technically a player. I mean, it is it could be a huge benefit to your team.
1: Okay, DJ, so there are a couple different ways that we can touch on it, right? So you have a lot of guys that want to get into coaching, and particularly when we talk about quarterbacks and some of these guys, this is a launching pad for their coaching careers. It is having the trust of an offensive coordinator who identifies someone who has those skills to eventually be a coach. However, I want to get him ready before he comes into the building as a coach. If he still has a little playing ability, like a Josh McCown, Josh yeah. McCown would be a perfect candidate yep. to do these things because Josh McCown is smart enough. He has enough experience. He wants to be a coach because he was coaching in Charlotte, North Carolina when they picked him up. He now can not only during the regular season run these extra meetings, but during the off season when your coaches can't get around the players. Yep, hey Josh. uh, we're not going to say that you need to go out on the road and do some of these things, but it really would be nice if you can organize some of these player only workouts to help our guys get going.
0: Yep. And think about also the fact of the environment in which we're in right now with COVID nineteen. You basically have an emergency goalie. You know, you don't really want him to play, but if something happens, if you're if your top two quarterbacks get it. Now you've got him. He's on your practice squad. You can elevate him for a week. He can get you out of a game or two if he had to. You know, that's not the that's not the ideal situation, but he's your emergency goalie in case you needed him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, there's so many things to doing this. So now we've seen in the past that teams were only going with two quarterbacks. Well, now I think you'll see everybody go with two quarterbacks. And because it's unlimited in terms of their practice squad eligibility for two or more players, now their third quarterback is your practice squad guy. And so that's just kind of the the role that he occupies on your roster.
0: But I think most people think, though, Buck, most people think your practice squad, they just hear your third quarterback, your practice squad quarterback is some young project developmental player. I'm telling you, the smart teams are going to have a veteran in that spot, not the young guy.
1: Yeah, QB3 will be the veteran quarterback. The second quarterback will be the guy. So the Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is the number two, but maybe Nate Sunfield becomes the number three. You put yep. them on practice squad. And practice squad has different rules in terms of salary. There's nothing that necessarily says that you can't pay a practice squad member like a full salary. I have to check the cap yep. on it. But it's another way to A. Hey, we're going to keep you around. You're on the thing. It's another way to make it happen.
0: Yeah. And I think we're just talking offense. You know, think about think about you've got an, an aging linebacker, right? Played in the league for 15 years, but his body's kind of breaking down. But he's a great leader. He knows your defense inside and out. He's a great uh, person to have in the room. Well, you can keep him in the room. You're gonna put him on practice squad, man. And then now you've got somebody that again, you've got all these young players. He can mentor them and help develop them. You could even tell him like, look, bro, you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be in shorts uh, one practice a week. You know, just kind of move around a little bit. Like, what are the rules to prohibit you from saying you don't even? I don't even care if you go out there and practice.
1: Yeah, he's a veteran. He's a veteran player. Um, Years ago, I played with a guy named Robert Massey in Jacksonville. He kind of played that role for the New York Giants when he left. He was a player that was like eight or nine years in, smart, understood the defense, was a a coach's confidant, and he could kind of carry out the coach's message to the team. And so there's certainly a role for that. I think it's an untapped resource. Teams that are on the front end of the team building process will utilize it to their advantage.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, all right. We got a couple questions. We've encouraged everybody to put some questions on, uh, on Apple podcasts. If you drop us a question, we'll answer it. So uh, Nabil, why don't you fire us a couple of those uh, before we get out of here today?
1: As an upcoming
0: scout, what advice would you give now on how to get your name out there and get started since the world has changed so drastically from this COVID-19 pandemic? Go ahead, Bucky.
1: I mean, I think it's the same thing. Um, I think you have to utilize your ability to email, Uh, You have to scout and do some reports. I would really try and work on the art of writing a report. And I think you have to email uh, every general manager and personal personnel director to see if you can get in the building as an intern. And then once you're in the building as an intern, work your tail off and hope that someone notices. And it may take you two or three internships before something real Enough substance comes out of it, but it's one of the sacrifices that you have to make if you want to get in the business.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I mean, Nabil, we've talked about this together, actually. I mean, this year is is darn near impossible uh, to break in somewhere just because they're not bringing new people into the building. There's very few internships this year. It's just a crazy year. Um, so to me, if you're interested in getting into scouting right now, you should be thinking about the combine like not even not even thinking about this year in training camp and internships, you try and point towards the combine would be my advice. Uh, what's another one there, Nabil? What do you guys think about the Jordan Burks pick by the Seahawks and his fit in the Seahawks defense? He can run all day long, and that's what the, that's what Pete Carroll loves. So he's got the ability to run and cover, um, and that's where he's very comfortable. So um, I think it is a really good fit there. I like that fit with the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, it's a good fit because he fits how they want to play. Like, if you know anything about Seattle and Pete Carroll, he loves athleticism and instincts. Those are the two big things that they look for. Uh, Jordan Brooks is crazy instinctive. He's very productive. And, man, he can run sideline to sideline. He's one of the fastest players you'll see uh, in game.
0: Uh, you can drop us some questions if you have some questions. So Leave <laughs> us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and we'll answer it so uh, that was fun today i know a little bit of an abbreviated show but do want to encourage you to check out the tv show thursday and then we will also have that full audio of the lincoln riley interview on our uh, thursday podcast audio podcast as well Uh, so be on the lookout for that but it's fun good to check uh, good to check in with you buck and, and talking about how this technology is changing all these sports not just ours
1: Man, it's changing so much. But like, I think that conversation about undrafted players, the developmental plan, all those things, because they go hand in hand, DJ, like we said, whether you're drafting or whatever, like it's one thing about player acquisition. It's another thing about player development, the best teams in both leagues, MLB, uh, the National Football League they are masters in both of them because you have to take the talent and then develop the talent to make sure that you build a championship team.
0: Yeah. And MLB, get your act together and figure this thing out so we can at least get a little bit of baseball before football season starts here. I mean, jeez.
1: I mean, come on, man. I, I can't wait to go to Chavez. Ravine. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Listen to you. You go watch one of their go. No, somebody brought this up. I think it was money. I was talking to money, our buddy money real quick. I know we got to run. But uh, he was saying like Max Scherzer is a great example. Like, how could you be against the 50 game, uh, schedule like he he would only have to start like 10 or 12 games and you're gonna make 10 to 12 million bucks
1: oh i'm all about it 10 games,
0: Ten, games are 10
1: million bucks and i only have to pitch four or five <laughs> innings. i don't even i don't even have to pitch the entire game anymore it's easy
0: uh, that's amazing uh all right anyways this has been fun today thank you guys for listening uh, we'll catch you next time right here on move the sticks